It's not something you can just learn in a classroom. It, it, it's, it's nuts and bolts. It's getting on all fours and scrubbing floors. It's going and visiting people in the nursing homes. It's visiting those who are in the hospitals. It's cleaning the rooms and the bathrooms and mopping, you know, uh, vacuuming the floors. It's taking those phone calls where somebody is hurting and being called on at the last minute to teach a Bible study. I love what it says in Romans 11, verse 29. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Meaning God, had, God gives gifts and he doesn't take them away. And it's our, great, it's our great privilege to know what God has for each of us and to go after it with all of our heart. Isn't it? Take the time and ask him, Lord, what have you created me for? Because I believe in this room, every single one of us has at least one or many gifts that God wants to bestow upon you. Maybe you know what they are. Maybe you don't yet. Maybe you need to start asking the questions. Maybe you need to pray about those things. But his gifts and his callings are not without repentance. They're irrevocable. He doesn't take things back. And when we ordain Richard this morning, we don't do this lightly we come along and we agree with the Holy Spirit what the Lord has done and is doing. It's really that simple. I remember, it's almost been two years since Pastor Jeff left. Actually, in just a couple of days, it'll be two years on the nose. And during that time, I've noticed that many of the children in the church have called Pastor, or called, say I'm already calling him Pastor Richard. Many have called Richard Pastor. They'd run right up to him and say, Pastor Richard, Pastor Richard. And God doesn't make, or man doesn't make a pastor, but God makes a pastor. And the reason why a young person would, would make a claim like that is because that's the way they, they see him. They see him as a pastor. I remember also when Joan Whitaker's sister recently passed away, and Richard was officiating that service in Dansville, and I had the opportunity to go to that service as well. On the way down there, the Lord was putting on my heart that we should ordain Richard. And then after the service, Richard, if you remember, you came up to me, and we walked around the field, and uh, the funeral director came up and said, uh, you know, mentioned his name, you know, Reverend Richard or Reverend Williams or, uh, you know, out of respect, right? Out of respect. He, he didn't know that Richard wasn't ordained at that time. And he came up to me and he says, quietly, just privately, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Is it okay? No? <laughs> well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> because it was really, it was really wonderful because he says, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to say to that. And I said, you know, you don't need to say anything. It's obvious that God has done it, right? You can argue with God when you think of kids and other people calling you pastor. And then the struggle that that created in him about should I correct them? And I'm like, no, don't do that. And, and it just confirmed to me at that moment that we should do this. And so that was really sweet. When Pastor Jeff, uh, again, I don't want to make this about me at all, but I'm trying to put this in context, but when Pastor Jeff ordained Andy Hathorne and myself in September of 2008, he not only shared the things that he and the other men in leadership could see in us, but he also warned us of the gravity and the responsibility of the office of a pastor. And because it's not just about Richard this morning, because there are many listening and many young men who desire to get into ministry, it's important that we go through these things so that we get the real picture of what a pastor is. And, and, and I'm probably going to be missing some things this morning, but I, I put together what I believed uh, uh, some things that we ought to go through, because it's important that we do this for accountability's sake and for gravity. I mean, this is not, a, this is not something you choose for yourself. This is something that God does. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to quit my job and be a pastor. No, if God puts that on your heart, praise the Lord. But it's something that God calls you to. Specifically, he calls you to it. It's not a vocation that, it's just a vocation I can choose. And unfortunately, there are men and women in our country that that's what they've done. They like people and they like the good message of the gospel. 
They might not even be born again, but they take that title, that ministry, that office unto themselves, and they don't belong there. Some of them do belong there, some of them do not. And so it's something that God does. But I believe it's also my responsibility, and so I'd like to do the same today and share about what a pastor is. Something I'm growing in as I, as I share this with all of you and with Richard, this is something that I'm growing in as well. A pastor is a shepherd. He cares about the flock of God and is not in it for his own personal gain. In fact, in Jeremiah's, uh, Jeremiah's book, concerning the children of Israel going into captivity to the Babylonians, one of the things that God had brought against them was the fact that the shepherds weren't caring for God's people. They were in it for the money. They were doing it for the prestige. They were doing it to be looked up to, to be honored, to be revered. And all of a sudden, they became the ones served instead of the ones doing the serving. And what does it say in Jeremiah? God says this to those men, and this is why we talk about this, for the gravity of what this is all about, because being a pastor is serious business. God said to the pastors at that time in Israel, He said, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and did not attend to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them who who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they, they be lacking, says the Lord. And so it is so important, this idea of a shepherd. Pastors are shepherds. David was a shepherd, you remember? And it's recorded for us that David... Would, would leave the 99 sheep and he would go after the one sheep that was out in the field that was being attacked by a wolf or a bear. And there's a, a, a wonderful passage in the scripture where David said he grabbed that lion by its beard and he killed the lion with his bare hands and also with a bear. Maybe he had his sling, I don't know, but he took care of that bear as it came after one of his lambs. And that's what a pastor does. A pastor protects A pastor is someone who cares. And Jesus is the great shepherd. He's the best example to follow in John chapter 10. So Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who ever came by me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. And if you recall in Israel, when they would take sheep out into the, when shepherds would take their sheep out into a field at night, what they would do often is, is take a little pen, a little square, a square area, and they would put rocks maybe about that high. And the sheep would come in at night and they would come into that place where they would just settle down and the shepherd would lie himself in the very entrance of that gate. He would be literally the door, and he would sit there with his rod and his staff protecting his flock. And Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf come. And he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and have known by my own. Aren't you glad that if you're a born-again believer this morning, that you are one of God's sheep? Everybody on the count of three go, bah. One, two, three, bah. There we go. Wonderful. All we like sheep, unfortunately, we've gone astray, but we've been found. Amen? We've been found. We've been found. But Jesus is the good shepherd. He says, I know my sheep, and I, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And there's a, a wonderful hallmark of a shepherd, is someone who will lay their life down. Sometimes when you're really tired, you want to lay down and take a nap, but yet you made a promise to go to someone's house to help them move or to do something, and Richard has done that, and I know we've all done that, and and it's a wonderful thing. It's something that 
we, we lay down our lives, and, and, and hopefully we'll never have to lay down our life physically, but if that ever day ever comes, would we be willing? And I don't even want to go into that right now, but are you willing? And I believe Richard is. And other sheep, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, that's you and I, folks, the Gentiles. That's you, Luciano. The first sheep were the children of Israel, and he's got other sheep, which are us, the Gentiles. He has brought us into his fold. And he says, and others I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received of my father. And so it's a laying down of the life. My life doesn't belong to me anymore. It doesn't belong to you, Richard. And, you, and I know you know this. In fact, your lives, brothers and sisters, don't belong to you either. You've been purchased with a price. God loves you so much, he, he lets you in on the great blessing of serving him because there's no greater thing in life than serving the one who created you the one who has saved you and redeemed you. No greater thing in life than to do that. No greater thing. But a pastor is also a worshiper. It seems to go without saying that a pastor should be a worshiper. In John's Gospel, you remember Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman at the well. He says, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you remember that wonderful model prayer that Jesus gave in the, in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 6, what did he say? We know this very well. In this manner, Jesus says, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means worshipped revered, feared in a reverential way. That's worship. Very first thing in the beginning of that. And a pastor ought to be a worshiper. We're going to look at a, a series of scriptures this morning because we want to look at the qualifications of a pastor. The first one is in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You can go there with me or you can just write it down. I'll certainly read it with you. It's good that we do this. Timothy, or Paul writing to his young protege, Timothy, said this. He said, this is a faithful saying. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, which is really an overseer, the Greek is episkopo, it's, it's an overseer. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. He must be a husband of one wife. And I believe Richard's only got one wife, right, Richard? He's got one. He's had one for a long time. And my brother is blameless. He's temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior. He's hospitable. He's able to teach. You're the beneficiaries of that on Sunday evenings when he shares, or on a Thursday evening at times he'll share He's able to teach. He's not given to wine. He's not violent. I've never seen him ever be violent. He's not greedy for money. He's gentle. He's not quarrelsome. He's not covetous. He's one who rules his house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And notice verse 6, he shouldn't be a novice. And Richard is not a novice. He's a seasoned brother in the Lord. He's been through it all. He's not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. And moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. And he does. Richard, you have a, an exemplary reputation. And I know this feels really uncomfortable to hear these things, but these are the qualifications. But there's also the other side of the coin, the gravity in this role in the church. Notice verse 19, it says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. This is important. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. We haven't had to do that, and I hope we never do. 
I can't imagine back in the early church they would actually do that. If a sinning elder or pastor was involved in something, they'd bring him right up in front of everybody on a Sunday morning. This is what he did. But I'm glad we've never had to do that. But the, this is the gravity of the role, the calling. And notice verse 21, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality, and do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. And 20 years is a long time to serve in a church. But again, my brother Richard has been faithful and so many things, and he's proved that over and over again. If you remember in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, on their first missionary journey, it says uh, in verse 1 of chapter 13 of Acts, it says, Now in the church there was, that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we know is the Apostle Paul. And they ministered to the Lord, and they fasted, and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And then when they fasted and prayed, they laid hands on him, and they sent them away. And we're going to do that here shortly. We're going to, the pastors and the elders of the church, we're going to lay hands on Richard. And hopefully he won't retaliate. <laughs> going to lay hands on him. But a pastor, a teacher, a prophet is a gift to God's church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But to each one of us was given, according to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. And then going on to verse 11, he says, And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Every pastor, every teacher, every servant is a gift to the church. And Richard, you are a gift to this fellowship. You have been, and I assume you always will be until the Lord returns for us. And a pastor should not be ashamed of the gospel, which I know he is not ashamed of the gospel, but it behooves us to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. This is serious business, folks. <laughs> therefore, Paul, writing to Timothy, says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Let me go on to verse 12, or 11. Well, let me read it, verse 10, I'm sorry. But, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed, Paul says, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Notice verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So being a unashamed of the gospel is absolutely necessary. There can be no greater fear than the fear of, of, of not doing what God has called us to do. And if there's any one thing in this world that is more important than anything else, than any other thing, it's salvation. It's, it's the word of God. It's more important than anything. Everything else comes under the umbrella of that truth that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. It's the most important thing, and we ought to lift it up that high as well. Everything is subjugated under the word of God. Our feelings, our thoughts, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we dress, all should be submitted to the word of God. But there's also warfare, and there is endurance and fortitude that's necessary for the call. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 
You therefore, my son, Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's, there's accountability there and there's also discipleship in that, isn't there? Commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Richard, I know that you've already endured and you will continue to endure because you've got the Spirit of God in you. We must endure. The times are difficult. The times are dark. We must endure for the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first be partaker of the crops. Consider what I say, Paul says, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble." as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And notice the exhortation. Remind them of these things. And Richard, you have been reminding the younger men, and I pray you continue to. But we, as pastors, need to remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers, to be diligent, to present yourself approved to God, a worker, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And these are the things that we are to endure. And again, not to make it sound like something that it's not, but it's, uh, it's, it's a serious calling that, man, that God has on a life. And there's also accountability. In James chapter 3, Jesus' half-brother, James, wrote these words, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. In other words, as a pastor, the things that you say, people believe them. (laughs) So we better be careful. We better be really careful. For every idle word, didn't Jesus say that to all of us? How much more so for a pastor? Every idle word, and I've had my share already in two years, a handful of idle words that I would love to erase. And I know God has forgiven me, but I need to be careful. And I know you do too, Richard, and it's something you don't take lightly. But there's also persecution in the call, perhaps. It's funny today, there are some people who respect uh, an authority in their life, a police officer, a pastor. But those days are rapidly declining where there is no respect for authority at all anymore. We see that. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, notice what Paul says to Timothy again. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus shall, will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue, and I love this exhortation, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And continuing in those things that you've known and learned. And we've learned from a great pastor, Pastor Jeff, haven't we? For many years, we've sat under him and have gleaned from him. He's molded us. The Spirit of God has done that, but he's used Pastor Jeff in our lives, taught us well. 
We are the beneficiaries of that great heritage. And there's also a responsibility for discipleship. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, let me read this to you. We're almost done. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. Down in that same chapter in verse 6, he says, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity. Reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech. That cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient and to their own masters. Be well-pleasing. Be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering or stealing, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things. Here's what he says to him again, Titus, or Paul to Titus. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Let no one despise you, Richard. They can if they choose. Final exhortation. It's for in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're just going to read the first five verses. Finally, he says, I charge you, and I would say this to you, Richard, because it was charged to me as well. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come, and we're living in those days now, that they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Before we ordain Richard, I'd like to um, take this time briefly to introduce the pastors and the elders. And I would like to ask them, as I uh, bring up their name, just come up one by one. And we'll stand together. Um, and... Uh, And listen, there are many other very important servants here in the church who serve here. This morning, I just want to narrow it down to the pastors and the elders for the purpose, obviously, that we have in front of us. So if you serve here, don't be upset that I don't call you to come up. This is, we are going to ordain Richard together. I'm the senior pastor and the president of Calvary Chapel. If you see something, if you want to get involved in in, uh, in anything, really, come see me with worship, with the sound ministry. We need some help in that area. The internet, technology, those kinds of things, really anything, really. But I need men like Richard and Pastor Dave and, and Pastor Mark and Richard, or, uh, Chuck Sullivan and Pastor Kevin, these wonderful men who are, we served together for many years, and I'm learning still from them. I need them. 
Because no man can do this alone. No man for this fellowship can do all of that. I need men. And we need each other. To serve the Lord together. So I'd like to ask Pastor Dave Barbero to come on up. Pastor Dave, if you'd be willing. He's also the... uh, the vice president of the organization of Calvary Chapel. He's the focal point for local outreach. He oversees the senior study on Tuesday mornings, and he does a lot of things. He's a real helpful brother. He's helped me so much. He oversees the building maintenance and the projects in the church. If Pastor Kevin is available, if he is not in the, in the hallway, if, if he's in earshot of me, he can come in. If he's not... No? Okay. He, he's, in, he's ministering to the kids, which is where he should be. But he, uh, Pastor Kevin has been here for a very long time. He oversees the children's ministry. He's been the principal of the Bread of Life Christian Academy for about nine years, from the year 2000 up until 2009. We had a K-8 school here. And uh, Pastor Kevin has been very faithful in that, like Richard and like David. Pastor Mark Randolph, if you could please come up. Pastor Mark has been a leader in the Sunday school for many years and currently involved in prison ministry here in Monroe County. Pastor Mark and his family have been here for years. And I'm so thankful for these brothers. We have. We've we've grown up together in this church. What's that? I only Uh, Chuck Sullivan is currently out of town uh, at a a work-related thing, but he and his wife Jenna both were teen group leaders for many years in the church, and he's currently the treasurer of the church. And so Chuck would normally be up here. And finally, Richard, if you'd come up. Richard is, it's kind of funny to say, he's the secretary of the church. But that doesn't mean he walks around with pencils in his hand. That's right. But Richard, he has, he has done everything in this fellowship, but he currently oversees the ushers. The men's study on Sunday, or on Saturday mornings, two, two, uh, two times a, a month. He and his wife, Barb, have been involved in marriage counseling for many years. And Richard, I want you to come over here. Why don't you right here, brother? Scary. We got some uh, unfinished business first. <laughs> no laying hands on. <laughs> Actually, it wouldn't be very smart for me to really touch him in any you know way that would you know wouldn't be good. See, I had to do that. I had to do that. Defenseless. Defenseless. See, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Meek, meekness. You know, love that about him. I really do. Thank you. <laughs> many, among many things, but that's one thing that just blows me away. I would ask for you to pray for these brothers and for Pastor Kevin and for Chuck Sullivan who can't be here. Please pray for these men, their wives, their families, their families, and Kathy and myself and my daughter Ariana and their families as well. Often being a leader in the church means that you just have a bigger bullseye. Have you ever realized once you become a Christian, before you gave your life to Christ, you had no bullseye. You were already a, a captive of the enemy. But once you give your heart to Christ, all of a sudden the bullseye. And when you become a leader in the church, that bullseye gets a little bit bigger. So pray, if you would. And as we pray for all of you, please pray for us because we need those prayers, folks. There are so many awful things going on in the world and so many difficulties against men who are doing what God has told them to do. I believe that when God tells a man or a woman to do something, all hell will come after that person when they are ordained by God to do whatever it is. It is never easy, but it's joyful, and we don't begrudge that at all. I think all of us could say, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no regret in anything. It's only a privilege and a great blessing. So please pray for them. And please feel free to ask them to pray for you. 
You can bring anything in the fellowship to my attention, but to all of our attention, including Chuck and Pastor Kevin. Bring things that you see to our attention. We need to understand what's going on, the things that you can see that we can't. Things that are going on, it could be something that needs to be painted, uh, something that needs to be fixed in the ladies' bathroom, something that looks horrible that you really think should change. Would you please let us know? Don't be silent. Let us know. We need to hear. I would like to read the certificate that we're going to give Richard here in a few moments. and we're, I'm going to read that certificate, and then we're going to pray over him. And we've got a gift to give him. It's a house by the lake. (laughs) Now let me read this to you. On On the certificate it says this. It says, Jesus Christ said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that the fruit, that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. And that's something that God has done. He has chosen him. God has chosen him. He didn't choose it for himself. And it goes on, and let me read the rest of it to you. This is to certify that Reverend Richard V. Williams, Vincent, right? Yeah, Vincent. Richard Vincenzo, that's Italian. I've been called worse. Okay. (laughs) Isn't this fun? (laughs) Richard V. Williams was duly ordained on this day, August 23rd, 2020, by Calvary Chapel of Rochester, New York, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Further, he has completed all studies and requirements of this body for recognition of such office. Further, by right of ordination, this date, he is duly licensed and ordained to perform all ministerial functions without limit as accorded by the laws of the land and in compliance with the ordinance of God's holy church. And we now pray for God's We pray for God's divine blessing. And the power of God's Holy Spirit upon you. Let's pray. Brothers. Father, we thank you for our brother Richard. And Lord, we come before you. We commit him into your care, Lord. We know that you have chosen him. And Lord, we come along and we disagree with you. I'm going to cry with you. (laughs) No crying in church. That's right. (laughs) So Father, we thank you for his life and for his, his blessing to this fellowship, Lord. And we know that you will continue to use his life to glorify your name, Lord. And so we commit him into this office of pastor of of this church, Father, and we ask that you touch him and bless him. And God, again, not only that you fill him, but that you fill all of us with your spirit. Lord, every one of us in this room, including the leaders in this church, and we ask this in your precious name, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Uh, wow. How do I follow that? I mean, you know, uh, I'll just say, uh, uh, in the interest of time, uh, what Michelle Ragusa would say, long story short, <laughs> although that's not true, but um, I'm just going to just say a few things. I, I must, if I don't, my heart will wax over. 
But uh, first of all, I was elated when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And it's just, just such a pleasure to be here uh, among friends, family. Um, and you have heard, especially the guys uh, that I get to hang out with twice a month, me say the word love. I use it a lot, and I mean it every time I say it. First of all, love as far as my personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Secondly, my love for my family. And thirdly, I have a servant's heart, and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Plain and simple. So why does he do those things? It's not him. Um, first of all, just uh, glad to be a part of this, uh, this uh, spiritual hospital uh, under great leadership. And having been able to see changes, uh, positive uh, changes, and to see uh, Pastor Rob especially move away from feeling that he has to fill another man's shoes, knowing that all the Lord requires of him to fill Robert Kellogg's shoes. Nothing more, nothing less. We're not following anybody's footsteps, just stepping in the, along the path that the Lord has set for you and you alone. So I thank you for allowing me and us to see that growth. Uh, secondly, um, having had the opportunity to spend probably close to 40 years with someone who I love dearly, said I wasn't going to cry. Someone who has taught me how to love, taught me how to receive love, provided for us, I say us, our family, our extended family, in times when the flesh was weak. Someone who um, was determined that she was going to stay the course no matter what. Good days, bad days. They were all there, but uh, I'm blessed, we're blessed, because her good days always outweighed her bad days, and that's my wife, Barbara. Uh, Thirty-six years of marital bliss and counting. Um, our, uh, our daughters, two daughters, uh, Ebony and Melanie, you're my heart, my soul. Our extended family, the Marinos, Candace, Christina, our heart, our soul, our granddaughters. I don't even have the words. I just, you know, if there was a word that was more superlative than love, that would apply to our granddaughters. And, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, you talk about laying down your life without hesitation. Uh, and I count uh, our, our two granddaughters, three granddaughters, excuse me, and our extended family, which we're talking Lauren, uh, Corinne, and Eden, and our extended family, Noel, Sophia, and Christian, and my, my brother in Christ, Daniel, and how I love these guys, and so many people here in I, I just think about the other thing that I didn't mention. I love, love, love prayer warriors. And we have a tremendous number of prayer warriors here. I'm going to name some names. I, I, I must. Uh, let's start with John Siegler. <laughs> Becky Reinhardt. James Casanos, Kathy O'Dell, Billy O'Dell. These are the people, and, and many more, uh, and the people that, that have encouraged me because they're committed to the cause. And, and I have a great deal of admiration for anyone who's committed to the cause. And those were the people that were, in the past, I'll name some names that some of you won't know. Uh, Tom Hauser. Sam Hanna, 
Julius Jackson, senior. Ryan Lenahan. Uh, these are the people, the men that I watch. I, I watch people. I watch a lot of people. I've watched a lot of you. I've seen growth. Uh, and and the, the ones that I currently get to, to observe now, Mary Virginia Root. Root. Uh, uh, Jane Walsh. Kathy McGraw. Uh, so many of you that I, I get to watch, to observe, and, and the men that, that I'm encouraged by, uh, I, I have to mention them by name, and, and, and one of them I remember r really well, a little skinny redhead kid walking around Grand Island, thumping the Bible, Mark Randolph, you know, and uh, he may not remember that, he was, he was young back then, you know. But uh, again, that was that was the first impression, one of the first impressions, and and getting an opportunity to work with men of God now, and and I, I look around and people here that you guys probably don't know, uh, that that I pray with regularly, uh, Joe Palmieri. You guys don't know him, but that's okay. Uh, and I just so many, so many, and then I, I, I the the men's group on Saturday mornings. It's, you know, those guys, I love them dearly. I really do. Billy O'Keefe, Dr. Groovy, you know, uh, Mike Cusack, um, Al, Kid Genius, Molenhauer, um, John Siegler, Bill, oh, not Bill, I'm sorry, John, this is my actual size duel. Uh, Tom, uh, Professor Barnabas Jackson, uh, and I, I know I'm leaving somebody out, but these are the guys that, that, you know, I don't always get it right, but these guys have no trouble straightening it out, and, and I like it. I like it a lot, you know, and, and one of the things that I want to say today is I'm not going to always get it right. There's spots there's blemishes, there's wrinkles, but the Lord's got it, and that's where my faith lies. My hope is all in him. So one thing as a Christian, and I encourage everybody in this room and those in the sound of my voice, there's always hope. If you're in Christ, there's always hope. Even now, there's some who feel hopeless. There's nothing too big for him or too small. So just keep believing. Keep trusting him. He'll bring you through. Um, as, be, as far as being a prayer warrior, there are uh, people, in, and I say that the Lord causes me to bow my heart to every day. I used to bow my knees, but they creak now. So, so I just bow my heart. But, but the, the people that come to my mind a lot, because I pray for them a lot, and, and, and they may not even be aware of it, but there are guys in this fellowship, Brian Walker. Chris Canfield, Aaron Clarkson, Jerry and Donna, every day, every day there are others, you know, but with these, these people that I interact with, I, I know what's going on in their lives, uh, and I can't help it. I really can't help it. It's just, it's just inherent in me. And the Lord is, is showing me, and he's, he's told me, as only he can through the Spirit, is that what's happening today is because he's preparing me for the revival. That's not going to make sense to a lot of you, uh, but that's what he's doing. So he's, he's, he's doing that, and the revival is coming. He just says, hang on. The best is yet to come, and he's working it out. And others that I haven't seen in, in a while, I was just so glad to see them today. I just feel honored. And, and when I get, a, get an opportunity, when I'm here, those, those times when not many people are, I get to see the, some of the people who are committed to the cause. And I use that to mean these are people who love the Lord, and it's not just lip service. You know, I think of people like uh, Margot. 
Muriel. Henrietta. Nora. They're here. They don't have to be seen. They're just doing the Lord's work. Jane. And uh, just... Guys, there's just so much I can say. So many people that I, I think of now that, that I've been encouraged by. You know, and, and the people that I'm getting to know somewhat recently. Tom and Debbie Vassil. Debbie makes good sauce. Uh, uh, and so many, so many, so many others, and, and for families, uh, and, and some of our young people that I, I get to interact with recently, and uh, I'll finish with this, um, as far as the word pastor, I had a, uh, a text from uh, a friend far away, and he said, are you requiring us to call you reverend? And I said, I prefer that you did not. Uh, why? Well, I do what I do. You know, I'm, if, if this were in the, in the corporate environment, you know, I, everybody here would have known that I got a promotion. But why didn't you call us and tell us? Because this is, this is who I am, and, and you said it. That's one of the reasons why we want to uh, uh, ordain you because it's not about the title it's not about this piece of paper it's not about any of that you just want to serve the lord and and i have a family that frees me up to do that and don't ever take that for granted you know well you were at the church yesterday you've been at the church two days already i don't have to hear that and i think i thank god i don't take it for granted but getting back to the the ordination uh, there's, a, there's a lady, one lady here, who's been calling me pastor for about two years, uh, Denise Hershey. And, and I wanted to correct her. And the Lord said, I forget about it. You know? So I, it was hard, even at the, at the funeral, as Pastor Rob alluded to, uh, it, was, it was a challenge because I always want to go back and say, no, 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 you don't, I'm, I'm just plain, plain old Richard is what I told my friend. Plain old Richard. He said, that's what I thought because that's how I know you. And just continue. I'm, I'm just plain old Richard, just serving the Lord as I did prior to this day. So I won't feel slighted if, if that's how you refer to me. Actually, I prefer that you did. But again, that's up to you guys. Um, so uh, last, last part. Short story long. Long story short. Um, Pastor Rob had mentioned this to me that we really want to ordain you. And it's like, ah, I don't know, That's, is that really necessary? He says, well, the Lord has, has shown us that we need to. Uh, I'm not really feeling it, bro. <laughs> and he says, okay. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, Pastor Rob, Pastor ba Dave, and Pastor Kevin called me in for an intervention. <laughs> Have a seat. So I sat down and. They binded me to the chair with uh, seven uh, fresh straw that was not yet dried. <laughs> and says, why are you so resistant to this? I just don't feel it's really necessary. Uh, so Pastor Kevin, being the spiritual giant that he is, said, um, are you saying no to, the, to God? No, nah, not really. Well, you are or you aren't. He said, do you know there's only one person one kind of person that says no to God. So, you know, I'm from out of town, so I don't know the spiritual, you know, the gospel as it applies to Penfield. So I, I, did, I did, uh, did a worse, uh, a little uh, dug into the scripture, and it said there's only one kind of person that says no God. And it's like, I don't want to be that. <laughs> so, uh, okay, guys, let's, let's do this. So, that's why we're here today, and, and I'm just so thankful, and I'm just so encouraged by the people that I get to be with. And there's so many young people that encourage me daily, well, every time we're here, and, and I pray for them, but um, it, it's a little bit different. It's a little different, and, and the people that we've had an opportunity to fellowship with, to dine with, uh, to just socialize with in, the, in probably, the I'll say, the last few months especially, and how encouraged I was uh, yesterday 
to see uh, my brother here step up, my sister get baptized, uh, and, and, you know, the rest, Zoe and uh, Olivia, Louis, Elia. What a blessing. And so I, I just, I'm just going to say, folks, uh, I'm not going to get it right all the time. I'm going to get caught doing a little coarse jesting, especially with the guys on Saturday mornings. There are guys in there who refuse to be serious sometimes. Um, I'm not going to have all the answers. Uh, I have a, a, a problem sometimes when things change because I put so much emphasis on my yay is yay and my nay is nay. And things come up and sometimes I'm resistant to changing. But you know, I allow the Holy Spirit to have the last word and just guide my path. And so far, he hasn't been wrong. Uh, there is a couple of things I have to mention. Um, when I was 13 years old, my mom said, son, there's something different. I, I think the Lord has a calling on your life. You're going to end up being a pastor. It's like, yeah, right, mom. I don't think so. Uh, and... Uh, Six years later, uh, I'm not going to give the story, but I end up hanging out with a couple motorcycle club. And there was a guy by the name of Jim Coca. And he says, why do you hang around with us? You don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't lose bad language. You're afraid of drugs. So why do you hang around with us? And that made me think about it. Why? Why? Well, and I knew why. Uh, actually, I can share. It's not a big deal. The guy was a fantastic engineer. And as a mechanical engineer for 40 years, uh, I wanted to be good. I still do. I wanted to be good. And so this guy was really great. So I started hanging out with this guy. I didn't know he was, uh, uh, he drove a car, but when he got home, he got on his Harley and you know, that, he hung out with a bunch of savory uh, people. And what I found very interesting is that that house that they rented on, in Henrietta, I don't remember the name of the streets, it's in the shadow of a church called Victory Baptist Church. And all of a sudden, the Lord started to sort of like show me all these things. Richard, what are you doing? Well, you know, I'm having, sort of having fun. Doing what? I mean, you're just hanging out with these guys. You don't do what they do. Can't you find another bunch of people to hang out with? And, well, okay. So um, we, um, after we were called away from Mount Vernon Baptist Church, we, we went to a couple of places, Bethel Full Gospel, Faith Temple, uh, Open Door Baptist, uh, New Life Fellowship, and on and on and on. Well, not a lot. I, that was pretty much it. And then uh, it was tough because everywhere we went, the right thing or the wrong thing was happening that day. And we, we can't stay here. This is this is really not what the Lord would have us. So we came here and we we sat and we looked. We had never seen people in flip flops and <laughs> shorts. That didn't happen. Uh, and uh, the music was a little different from what we were accustomed to. We were used to Showtime at the Apollo. And so we came in, and, and we sat down, and we heard the word. And it's like, we're home. And so we continued to come, continued to come, and, and praise the Lord, our daughters, uh, our granddaughters were here with us, and we just felt comfortable. We felt at home. And so here we are. And for this to happen, I don't know. So anyway, at the age of 13, my mom prophesied. And here, 80 years later, you know, <laughs> it's happening. So praise the Lord. Thank you guys uh, for encouraging, for supporting. For, and there were names I didn't mention. Don't, don't be concerned about that, you know. Uh, there's just so much. I, I, so I look around the room. It's like I just see so many people that that meant, a, meant and mean a lot to me, especially some of those that showed up today, Carol and Jody. I, you know, I, I I love them. I, I miss them. Uh, so uh, that's it, folks. Thank you guys so much for.
for supporting. Yeah, thank you for your uh, patience. I went long, and uh, and he did too. It's a gift of every pastor. If you can't like, if you're given ten minutes and you can't speak for an hour and a half, <laughs> occupational hazard. That's right. Hey, listen, we got some uh, out in the fellowship hall uh, after the service. We have uh, some cake. I like to call it ordination cake. It's sanctified goodies. And ladies, there's no calories in this, in these, in this uh, cake. So um, you can eat as much as you want, guilt-free. It's wonderful. So, you know, let's pray. And then afterwards, uh, feel free. And now, listen, I know some of you aren't comfortable with this, and that's okay. You don't have to partake in it. But if you are comfortable with it, they're going to be serving it out there momentarily. They're probably already going, why haven't you guys ended it a half hour ago? But it is ready for us, and so let's just celebrate and give God thanks. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for... Let's stand together, actually. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for our brother Richard. Lord, we thank you for what you've done and what you're doing in his life and what you continue to do in each of our lives. Lord, every one of our lives is important to you. And, Lord, you've given us a a job. You've given us a great ministry, each of us, Lord, to share the truth, to, to walk it, to live it. Lord, we're thankful for that. Would you please, Lord, just um, bless our brother and his family and bless each of us, Lord, as we enjoy this day together. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless.